0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is Greg Nielsen, President and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting. Uh, at Nielsen Training and Consulting, we work with nonprofit organizations nationally, primarily in the areas of board governance, strategy, and organizational development. Um, today, I'm thrilled to be joined on the podcast by a colleague of mine. Her name is Christina Carr. And the focus of our conversation is going to be on next-generation Leadership on Nonprofit Boards, and we'll get into what that means in a little bit. But first, I want to welcome Christina to the podcast. Christina, welcome, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Christina, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Okay, so I serve on uh, a few nonprofit boards, uh, museum boards in particular, although I have served for uh, boards for an alumni association and a daycare center as well. Currently, I am co-chair of the Fundraising Advisory Board at the Freer-Sackler uh, Galleries, uh, which are part of the Smithsonian. Um, I'm also on the board for the Greater Reston Arts Center in Reston, Virginia.
0: Okay, so that means you're located in the greater D.C. area, right? I
1: am. I am. All of the, all that, in it, that entails the traffic, the, the hot weather, the really cold winters, yes.
0: Yes. And how long have you been on the board? Each of them. I
1: have been on the board for Grace uh, for the last year and a half, and for the Friends Council at, at the Fair Sackler. I've been there about two and a half years and co-chairing it for the last year.
0: Okay. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to um, really discuss board some board governance issues board diversity and composition in particular. Um, As many of the listeners know, in the past week or so, I've launched um, a program called Board Champions, which is a year-round board governance program, where I work one-on-one with organizations to help elevate their board performance, and a key part of that is, obviously, who is in the room, so who is on the team, so maybe uh, with the rare opportunity of having a board member with us today, talk a little bit about how you first joined each of those boards. What was the recruitment process look like? How How did you come upon the opportunity?
1: so the way i started on these boards was pretty much i stumbled into it and so i had been actively involved in both of these organizations i had been a member i had volunteered at grace which uh carries on a an arts festival every year and i volunteered there for many years Um, but the transition to being a board member kind of happened suddenly with both places where I'd gone from just being an active member to wanting to be more involved and then suddenly getting the ask to to join both of those boards. I think there's a lot of opacity <laughs> when it comes to joining a board. And you know, I've had a number of people reach out to me to ask what was my path, how did I do it? Because there's not really an instruction manual you know there like your program there are other programs like board source has that helps to develop people once they're on a board but not a lot of information about how to make that leap how to get on a board and you know i think there are a lot of us who wonder how do i get my foot in the door and so i had initially started with serving on a board for a daycare center where my daughter was attending and they had an election and I ran there and then an alumni association where there was also an election. And so those were a little bit more transparent than I think often museum boards um, and many nonprofit boards uh, can be where you just have to be asked and you're not really sure why me or how I go about doing it.
0: Right. And I think that that's one of the challenges for nonprofits is to define better for individuals, why they're being recruited in particular, what skills, talents, perspectives do they bring to the board team?
1: Exactly. And so I have written an article for the American Alliance of Museums talking about board age diversity and so specifically how to bring you know the next generation of leaders onto boards. And most of it was focused on the organizational side. And while the article was specific to museums, it really is applicable to the whole nonprofit sector and it gave some actionable steps for how organizations can go about finding and recruiting and then keeping and developing those younger board members, although it can be applied to other forms of diversity, other underrepresented groups that are not on boards. And so I'm currently working on another article for AAM um, that is more from the prospective trustee side how do i go about becoming a nonprofit board member what are the steps i need to take to do that
0: right and i think that you know as someone who works with boards and as, as someone who speaks frequently about the importance of board diversity uh, your article is what that's what originally put you on on my radar and i really enjoyed the article but it always for me starts with a board's common understanding of why diversity is important and as you alluded to um, age diversity is sometimes a characteristic that gets overlooked when we talk about board diversity um, but is critical you know as you look at the board source data as you look at any of the data that's out there um, boards overwhelmingly trend older and there is a um, significant missed opportunity, in my view, and I, I suspect in your view as well, to open the doors to board service to the next generation of leaders. So, when you when you think and when you talk about the importance of age diversity on a board, what is the why that you've shared with with boards? Why is that so important to you? Well, I think one
1: one thing to make important is is that it's not an either or. So it's not age diversity instead of other forms of diversity. That you definitely need racial, ethnic diversity. You need gender diversity, absolutely. But this is just another item to, to throw into the mix. And what really I think is important about having younger people on the board is that so many organizations are concerned with how do we bring in younger donors? How do we make sure that our organization is sustainable in five years and in 20 years? And I don't see a better way to figure out what's inside the minds of younger prospective donors and to put someone on your board that is helping to govern your organization. You know, you can have a lot of people in the room guessing about what they might be thinking or what might resonate with them. But until you put one of them into a position of leadership, you're not really going to know, and you know I think there's also an aspect of diversity of thought that you're going to have with any kind of diverse group that you bring to an organization. Um, but I think another critical element of having younger members on a board is that there's the potential to bring in other kinds of diversity by bringing in younger people that as a nation, we are trending more towards diversity, that we're almost a minority-majority country. And, you know, especially with the Hispanic population, that if you make a target of bringing in younger people, you are naturally going to be pulling from a more diverse body um, of the population, that, um, you know, diverse populations that that are either moving here or their second, third generation. Um, they're better educated than their parents and grandparents were. Um, they're developing those leadership skills that will make them suitable for for board service down the line.
0: You mentioned that your board experiences included working mostly with museums, and that's um, that's often regarded as a very traditional um, board. Have you, as you've explained that why and as you've experienced board service in those arenas, have you found those boards to be receptive to age diversity in their membership?
1: So yes, museums and in particular art museums um, of which I'm involved with can be more traditional as you put it, that a lot of those boards will require six, seven figure admission fees (laughs) to sit on the board and so part of my advice when I've sat down one-on-one with younger prospective trustees is that you can't target an organization like the Met as your first board you're going to sit on. Of course there are some people that have the financial means and the connections to do so but not all of us do that you really need to develop relationships with smaller organizations. And luckily that really resonates with a lot of Gen Xers, Millennials, Gen Zers um, who want to have impact with these organizations. And if it's a small organization with a small budget, a small staff, your money's going to go further. You're going to get an opportunity to sit on the board for a lot less money. You know, it does come down to money and you know that's been my my advice that that's a way to to get your foot in the door as i said i serve on an advisory board for the smithsonian i do not sit on the full board um, that requires a higher donation to do so Um, but i see this as you know advisory boards junior boards as a great stepping stone um, to sitting on a full governing board that A lot of people probably don't think of that. It gives you that opportunity to demonstrate commitment to the organization and to demonstrate leadership skills.
0: So we talked a little bit about the value proposition for the organization, for the nonprofit, that diversity of thought, diversity of perspectives, ability to to reach um, some of the younger donors and some of the different demographics that they may not reach currently. um, I'd like to flip it over for the individual. So for the next generation leader who may be serving on their first board, what's the value proposition for them? What are some of the skills that maybe you've been able to take from your board service that have benefited you in other aspects of your professional life?
1: Well, I would say leadership is hands down one of the, you know, best benefits that I've received from an organization where I'm Put in charge of a budget, where I'm in, put in charge of certain programming, where I'm trying to raise money for the organization, and being able to demonstrate program management, being able to demonstrate um, the tact and the gravitas that comes with um, leading an organization that people in their 20s and 30s may not have had that opportunity to do, and so if people are interested in management positions, interested in, if they're in the corporate world, serving in a C-suite position, this gives you that experience. Um, I think it can also pave the way to later serving on a for-profit board, um, which a lot of people have interest in, that you know, you get that leadership and you get those skills and governance um, to get you there. Um, there's also the benefit of knowing that you're being fully utilized by an organization that I can hand them money and that money can disappear <laughs> into the big pot of money and who knows where it goes. And, you know, maybe, you know, you know, it goes to a specific acquisition or a specific program, but in order to use my skills to know that, okay, I've had experience with strategic planning. And when I was able to run a strategic planning committee, I felt really good about myself because I was able to fully utilize my skills for an organization that I cared about.
0: I think that's a great point, And that's one of the things that I always tell organizations when, when we're working together um, is and particularly if you're talking about a next generation leader, when you, when you bring someone onto the board, you're bringing the full person and you're bringing all of their skills, all of their talents, all of their perspectives. They're not just your, young board member, or your next generation board member, and have a limited, you know, limited scope of responsibilities to just somehow magically um, speak to your younger demographics, you're getting all of the different skills and talents that they can bring to the board team, and that's how they should be utilized.
1: I think another benefit that I've derived from board service is making it, making board service part of the conversation, and being able to model volunteer work for my daughter in that way. I volunteered with her at, you know, at a shelter where it's very hands-on, where we're sorting cans of food. And I think that's an invaluable experience for her. But I think it's also useful to see that her mother and her father can volunteer in um, these volunteer leadership positions. My husband serves on a board where it's on YouTube. All the meetings are on YouTube, and so she can watch him in his board meetings. And she started playing board meeting with her toys because she knows mommy and in board meetings. And so she sets her toys around, and she's like, okay, on the agenda today, we will be discussing the new playground. Um,
0: <laughs> You're raising a future board chair.
1: Exactly, and I think that's so... Critical when you have you know, people in their 30s and 40s who are thinking about how do I make my child a good citizen? How do I model behavior for them? This is just another way of modeling leadership that I think is really critical.
0: And you mentioned your article previously, um, and you mentioned that you had some tips and suggestions for organizations that are looking to embrace. Um, Age diversity looking to embrace the next generation leaders on their board. Where does that start for you in that in your perspective?
1: Well, I think a lot of organizations might make the mistake of that starts with Getting you know people who are board ready now But it really starts years before someone is ready to serve on a board. I think you really need to educate your membership educate your community about what's involved in board service. I think it shouldn't be a secret a secret society about you know what who belongs on the board or how you get in. I think all of those things need to be transparent. I think you know board members need to be vocal in either attending programming or leading talks with you know the community writing a snapshot or the newsletter about their day-to-day or about the latest annual meeting, I think that kind of stuff is, is critical for making the concept of board service approachable. And so I think that, that education part is, is critical. And then when you start to identify people who might be prospective board members, you need to find leadership opportunities for them. If you think about someone who's a good manager, a good leader, they find opportunities for their junior employees to start building the skills and start demonstrating that they can handle the next promotion, the next big job. And I think nonprofits need to approach it the same way, that you need to find whether it's an advisory board or a junior board or running a committee or sitting on a committee, the board even if they're not part of the board yet to give them those opportunities to shine you
0: know, that's, that's a great that's point a, about committees um, you know that's that's an often underutilized opportunity for nonprofits to meet new board new prospective board members volunteers and that's one of the trends that we see in the sector is we see more non board members serving on committees and, and highly, I see highly effective nonprofits utilizing it that way every day in increasing numbers. And I I think that that's a, you're right. That's a great opportunity to engage new, new faces in the organization.
1: Right. And especially for organizations that um, are either unwilling or just feel like they can't budget all on their give or get requirements. If they see someone who's involved in the organization or wants to give more of their time to the organization and perhaps doesn't have the money yet to give, then it's an opportunity to get them involved so that they retain that loyalty because we, there are so many competing organizations and I know nonprofits, it's not supposed to be about competition, but you know, if you're not good to the people who are supporting you, if you are not giving them opportunities to really fulfill their passion, they're going to give somewhere else. They're going to give their time somewhere else.
0: One of the things I hear from nonprofit leaders and I push back on often is we we don't know where to find prospective board members, particularly younger board members, next generation leaders. We don't know how to find and recruit those leaders. And I'm certainly not going to ask you to speak for all young professionals or all next generation board leaders, but personally, how do you how do you like to engage with a new organization? So if there's an organization that wanted to reach out to you, um, how would that likely take place for you?
1: Well, I think part of the problem is that a lot of younger supporters of nonprofits are hesitant to put their, you know hat in, hat in the ring, or however you say it, um, because they think that there's no way this organization is going to be interested in me and part of that is getting exposure to what the board does having more transparency into what the process is for selecting someone where younger people aren't opting out of the process I think that probably happens a lot people who have the skills but they don't know where to start and feel embarrassed about asking and I was sitting down with someone recently who was asking for my advice on how to go about the process and I said, you don't need to be afraid about reaching out to uh, an organization and saying, hey, I'm interested in volunteering. What are ways I can get more involved? And, you know, sometimes you just have to be bold. My husband always says fortune favors the bold. And yes. you know, I've, I've definitely been like that with some of my organiz- organizations that I've been involved in, where I've said, hey, I'm raising my hand. I'd like to, I'd like to serve on that council and not necessarily being taken seriously at first, you have to demonstrate your value to them. But I think people don't need to be afraid to, to do that, to raise their hand and, and jump forward. Um, but I think organizations also, yes, are clearly lacking in, Available trustees. They always say we need trustees. We need to be able to find board members. And I hear this time and time again. And they really do have to go outside their network. I mean, one thing that I think is absolutely an invaluable untapped resource is social media. How many nonprofits look to their followers on social media to see, could this be someone who might potentially serve on my board? Have they considered having a social media committee, for example, or having a social media influencer who loves their organization and supports it sitting on the board or sitting on an advisory board that these are people who, you don't know, they might, <laughs> they might have a huge giving capacity. But they love your organization, and they have followers, and people listen to what they say, and they're constantly retweeting your stuff. They're constantly liking your stuff. Why aren't you taking them seriously as potential leaders?
0: And I think that's a great point, that you have to pay attention to the signals that people are already giving you. You know, there may be people who are actively engaging, who are liking or sharing, you know, your social media posts or who are reaching out and asking for a tour of the organization or are volunteering in ways that you may not see on your every, in an everyday um, capacity. Pay attention to the signals that are out there.
1: Absolutely.
0: What are some other so- tips you would give to, to nonprofits to promote better age diversity on their board?
1: Well, I think a big part of it is also the mindset on the board um, that you can have a board regardless of the age that has a certain preconception of what younger generations, in particular millennials, we all have an idea of who millennials are and what they represent. And especially when you have board members who have children the ages of people you might consider to serve on the board, there's a bias that comes with it. And I think board members, I think development staff, um, should have some kind of unconscious bias training um, to help them think outside the box and see younger donors in a different way. I've seen great examples from Colleen Schneider on her blog or from the book Generation Impact, with Sharon Goldsaker, who gave examples of being younger donors and wanting to be more involved and kind of being dismissed by development staff, and often development staff who were about the same age. And I think that's a huge barrier that once you get over that, that hump and start to see younger generations in a different way, it'll open the door. It'll open your eyes to, to bring them on.
0: You're right. I think, uh, uh, for example, a board retreat is also a really important way to build um, some of the culture of teamwork on the board. You mentioned some of that um, unconscious bias training opportunities for the board to look at itself not only as just governing the organization and doing the business of the board, but also how do they pay attention to the various dynamics that contribute to how effectively they can do that job, how well they can integrate all of the different perspectives that are on the board.
1: Right, exactly. And then the topic, no one wants to talk about succession planning and thinking about the time for when people do rotate off the board and being intentional about how you make room for people to join the board. You have to ask somebody who is giving to the organization but not actually putting in the work, not rolling up their sleeves. do you have to ask that person to move off the board to make room to expand the size of your board? Do you gently start limiting um, the terms so that, the term limits so that you have room to bring people on? Some of those can be really uncomfortable conversations that a board chair needs to
0: have. Absolutely. Christina, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you for your time. Um, For those who want to get in touch with you or learn more about your work, your perspectives, um, I see you showing up all the time on social media. Um, Tell us a little bit about how people can reach out to you directly.
1: Well, I'm definitely on Twitter every day. So my handle's at NextGenPatron. I also am author of the blog NextGenPatron.com. Uh, people can also reach out to me by email, Christina at nextgenpatron.com. Um, and I look forward to, to hearing from them and Greg, it's been great chatting with you.
0: Christina, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I really appreciate the conversation and have enjoyed hearing your perspective as well. Um, As we wrap up another episode, just want to remind people to check out the website, www.nielsonconsults.com. If you're interested in more information about the board champions program that I referenced, it is on the website there, or you can reach out to me directly by email at Gregory G R E G O R Y at NielsenConsults.com. Christina, thank you again.
1: Thanks so much.